Listening Dog Media. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan, and a Liverpool fan. Welcome to episode 29 of the Offside Rule podcast. Thank you very much for hitting download and do continue to tell your friends about us. Um, it's myself, Lindsay Hooper, joined this week by Hayley McQueen once more. Hello, nice to be here again. <laughs> and also Kate Borsay, the trio again reunited. She smells of horse manure, Hayley, because she's just literally come back from Cheltenham. Um, that's Hayley, not me. <laughs> <laughs> not just horse manure, but also a little bit of Guinness as well. Oh. Was it? Did you win? No, oozing from the port. No, didn't win anything. <laughs> Absolutely useless. And this year I went on tips. Last year I went on pink silks and crazy names and I won a load of money. Goes to show sometimes it's a bit of a lottery. My advice is take no advice. Okay, uh, we are going to have a horsey theme coming up. In fact, I'll start by teasing what's coming in topic three. Um, do you like the name of the topic? Hoof it. Yeah, love it, love it. Everyone, everyone loves a good hoof, don't they? <laughs> they do, in football as well as horse racing. We're going to link the two topics. I'll explain more when we get to that later, but uh, you can try and let your imagination run wild for now. Uh, we're going to, in topic two, do an FA Cup forecaster because we had the FA Cup quarterfinals. We now know who our semi-finalists are. We're going to talk about who we think is going to win uh, those respective matches and then get to the, the final at Wembley as well um, and who's going to be the overall winners uh, but we'll start by rewriting some history ladies uh, 2014 every year year on year you have different records that are broken because we had quite a few broken in the last week including Burnley they beat Blackburn didn't they for the first time in 35 years there was also an unlikely tale of Wigan in the FA Cup beating Manchester City for a second year running I and mean, when's that happened before so lots of um, history being made so over the course of this season I wanted you to pick out two examples where history has been rewritten now it might be record appearances goal scorers results against another side you might have thought outside the box even more Uh, we start as always with Hayley McQueen thank you very much Miss Hooper well I am going to start by seamlessly linking in Cheltenham, which is the topic of this week of course with the races going on and the Football League Awards at the weekend 
My first changing history was a bit of history that was broken between Cheltenham Town and Chesterfield. Four quickest goals scored in quick succession in the history of the Football League. We think statisticians are still scratching their heads as to find out if there have been four goals ever scored as quick as these ones in the middle of a game ever, but it would seem not at the moment. It was actually an away win for Chesterfield and they managed to score four goals in the space of six minutes and 24 seconds. As a reporter, I'm suddenly sympathising if one of the reporters on that match thought, you know what, I might just dive out, quickly go to the loo or quickly get a cup of tea. You never want to do that, but could you imagine in those six minutes what could happen? So there we had, we had um, Dan Gardner, he opened the scoring on 21 minutes and 52 seconds. Two minutes later, Owen Doyle uh, put them further ahead. Then Ollie Banks got in the action in the 25th minute. And then a different goal scorer, so four different scorers as well with these four goals, scored on the 28 minute and 16 second mark. So from 21 minutes to 28 minutes, they scored four. I think that is quite... A feat. Kate Borsay, I think this is your turn next. We're just going to reference the FA Cup for my first one. Hull beating Sunderland 3-0 saw the Tigers qualify uh, for just a second semi-final in their 110-year history. So that's the only the second time. Now, I'm going by memory here. It's something like 1930, isn't it? The last time they... I, I think, think probably. I think probably most of their supporters wouldn't have been alive back in those days. No, I don't think they were. If I've got that wrong, I do Mm. apologise, but I think it's around 1930. Do you want another quick one from me? It's all based around Spurs. Um, Beginning of this season, they um, had to play um, Sheriff back in the uh, Europa League, I think, to get through to the group stages. Um, Two records set in this game. Jermaine Defoe uh, scored a spot kick on the 67th minute. That was his 23rd goal in Europe, beating Spurs legend of the 70s, Martin Shivers' club record. So he earned himself a record. And in the same game, Brad Friedel made a record-breaking start. At 42 years old, he was the oldest player to appear in the Europa League or the UEFA Cup. Wow. Two records in one game. What about that? Which game was that? That was Spurs against Sheriff back in the Europa League. When? August 2013. Ooh. Good. Oh, she's just in with the topic. <laughs> By the skin of your teeth, Kate Borsay. Um, yeah, in the last season, I will reiterate, I've got one. Um, actually, I'm going to go back to Hayley before I come in with mine because I'm liking this is all on the pitch action yeah. and mine's off the pitch, okay. okay? Mine's something that could have come off the pitch, on the pitch for a record. I was chatting about um, Cheltenham and Chesterfield. Chesterfield, who are doing brilliantly in the league, of course, top of the uh, table at the moment. Macclesfield, who just plummeted down and out of the football league, obviously living in the northwest, just outside of Manchester for quite some time. I used to go to the Moss Rose every now and again and frequent. It has a very nice pitch, one of the finest around in the football league, but they're not there anymore. They are so desperate for money. They wanted to raise £100,000. So they decided to advertise what they called a unique moment in English football to try and raise the money by offering a member of the public the chance to be a member of the first team for £20,000, right? They said if someone gave them £20,000, they would be given an official squad number, they'd register them, they'd give them home and away strips and a training kit as well as weeks training and put in the club's official photo. Do you think this is what happened at Doncaster with Louis Tomlinson? Yeah, 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 I was going to say, I wonder if he paid forty grand (laughs) for his chance to throw up on the pitch. (laughs) Yeah, it's so weird. So whoever bought this, prize and opportunity so they would have been registered with the FA brought on to play at least 10 minutes in either a league or cup match of the season so they didn't actually go ahead with it this was in the summer in June 2013 
for this season. So this could have happened and been something where a record and history could have been made. They decided to pull out and they said an error of judgment and apologise and said it probably wasn't the right way to go about things. No, and I'm so glad they didn't. You think about all the talented footballers that yeah. drop out of clubs and then someone could just pay for the luxury of doing yeah. it. It's all about having money, not skill. I, I'm just not with that. Is not paying for it just what the premise of most of the chairman taking over our football clubs throughout the leagues though is that is that not just following suit where someone with enough money has got the money to just buy it from the club perspective as a whole but I think as a player if you start getting to the point where you're putting people on the pitch who've just got money then there's no football to be had is there so there's still football is the essence of the mm. game it's just the people that own the game now make business that comes nicely into me actually I'm not I'm surprised that Vincent Tan hasn't put himself number 10 for <laughs> Cardiff it'll probably just be one of his son's mates instead I reckon (laughs) Um, I have to clarify as well and I say it comes nicely to me I don't mean because I'm really wealthy by the way Um, I mean because I'm actually talking figures because both of my records are monetary I thought you know football is big business now so records broken in 2014 unfortunately not so much about the antics of goals scored and I know we have given a few examples but the big records that I found were all to do with cash so let's start off with the January transfer window and no surprise here because year on year it goes up and up Uh, Premier League clubs they set a transfer spending record the interesting thing about this January transfer window was that not one of the top 10 sides made a significant signing so to break that record without one of them buying on deadline day was just crazy. £130 million. That's up £10 million on 2013. And now the English top flight clubs have spent, get this, wowzers, £760 this season, which breaks the 2008 and 9 record by £90 million. So there has been a void of a few years and now we're breaking again. And uh, people like Wayne Rooney's wages, which are being debated, it's not just to do with him, is it? It's to do with up and down the Premier League. It's just the biggest league and it's this cash cow and will continue to grow, I expect. I have another, but let's take a break from money things and go back to Kate's. Well, I've got a monetary one, actually. Oh. Talking of taking a break, Vietnam international defender Tran Dinh Dong. <laughs> I, I do apologise. Tran Dinh Dong? Tran Dinh Dong. <laughs> um, apparently his father owned a doorbell company. Uh, has been handed um, a record 28-game suspension by the country's football federation after he broke the leg of an opponent in a domestic league match. I've got the YouTube clip in true Lindsay Hooper style. I've got a YouTube clip. The decision actually um, came out not that long ago. He went in for a flying challenge on the opponents and um, awfully broke uh, his leg. He was also fined 20 million dong. The 26-year-old player who was the one fouling Tran Ding Dong, as I've mentioned, uh, not expected to return to action this year. Uh, the verdict also said that he should pay the opponent's medical bills. I should oh. think so too. I really suggest our listeners just rewind the podcast, get a few drinks, whether they be alcoholic or not, and we should play a drinking game along to that every time you say ding dong. <laughs> ding dong. There's another one, kids. <laughs> Um, I'm going to round things off then with the reason why Arsene Wenger will be penning a new contract at Arsenal this summer. It's going to happen. There's no debate about this now. It is going to happen and it's all because of a money-breaking record. I know that Arsene Wenger brings a lot to the table. He's got Champions League football for how many years? We won't talk about the silverware issue because obviously that's a reason why some sections of the supporters want him out. But 
when it comes to good business at Arsenal, uh, he's at the head of it all. I'm sure somebody else brokered this deal, but it is the reason he'll stay. Puma have signed a kit deal for a record amount of £150 million. Pounds. That deal, which lasts until 2019, is going to be the reason that Arsene Wenger gets another contract this summer. Mark my words. Hi, I'm Jeff Stelling, and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Three women talking about football. I'm used to listening to four old women talking about football on Saturday afternoons, so I definitely prefer this. And speaking of Arsene Wenger and silverware, I do wonder whether 2014 might be his year. Uh, we're talking about the FA Cup semi-finals. They have been decided now. We've got Wigan facing Arsenal on Saturday, the 12th of April, following the next day uh, by a humdinger between Hull and Sheffield United of League One girls, a League One side um, in the semi-finals. So what we're going to do is play predictors. Um, we're going to talk about those semi-finals, which are happening at Wembley who we think will win, give a scoreline, your reason why, and then let's choose our winners. Are Arsenal going to get any silverware? Anyone going for Arsenal to win this FA Cup, by the way? Oh, if they don't win it, I mean, of all the years to pick up a trophy, if Arsenal don't pick up a trophy this year, they, they, they seriously need to get a priest in at the Emirates for some sort of exorcism. Because of, of all the years, this is the year that Arsenal do it. Manchester City knocked out by Wigan, as we know. They then... Uh, uh, Arsenal then meet Wigan, of course, in the semi-final. Quick stat on that for you. I think Arsenal have only lost one out of the last five games. This is off the top of my head, but only one of the last five games against Wigan. So the odds, of course, they're stacked in Arsenal's favour. Um, Hull against Sheffield United and all Yorkshire tie. It'll be very exciting, won't it? Um, I think Hull will do the business here. I think Sheffield United will just not quite deal with the emotion of the day um, and that's not belittling them but I just think Hull have probably got more in their locker having been to the playoffs at Wembley etc etc um, more used to the big ties and so I would tip the final to be against Arsenal and Hull who's going to win it well if Arsenal don't win it all I'm going to say is if Arsenal don't win it it's going to be an absolute travesty the fans are going to go bonkers OK Hayley let's get, have your thoughts I agree I would like to see Arsenal win it actually I think Arsene Wenger deserves it and even someone who's followed Manchester United um, who actually beat Arsene Wenger the last time they won the FA Cup back in 2005 their last piece of silverware I would quite like to see him do it I do have a lot of respect for him longest serving manager in football at the moment but they don't like going to the new Wembley. They've only been there twice, actually. This is their third trip there. But they lost, of course, to Birmingham City and Chelsea as well. So Wembley isn't a great place for them to go. However, they won't have too far to travel. They're in the home city as well. I think that counts for a lot. And I think I don't think it's going to be a case of Wenger feeling too much pressure. He's under pressure every year to win trophies. I've heard the argument before that, oh, well, you know, you've got Sheffield United, first third tier team to reach the FA Cup semi since Wickham back into. 2001, they'll just be going for a day out. Hull, Brucey, I'm sure, would absolutely love it. But at the end of the day, getting to a semis is, is enough. I don't think there is the pressure on Arsene Wenger like that. Yes, there's the pressure to win trophies, but he has that every single year. Um, 
I think it will be a Hull versus Arsenal final. That's what I would quite like to see. Don't think Sheffield United... I totally agree with you. Same reasons with Sheffield United. But it's interesting to hear from the managers, isn't it? We hear from uh, Nigel Clough creating history, following in his dad's footsteps and doing ever so well. And him just saying, you know, it's not just going to be a day out. We're taking this extremely seriously. And I don't like people thinking that we're going there for a day out. He said, you go to the seaside for a day out, not to Wembley. Of course, he was a losing finalist as a player with Nottingham Forest back in 1991. So it'll be Sheffield United's first FA Cup final since 1936. Funnily enough, when when they lost to Arsenal in the final. So it's all tediously linked there. Okay, I would like to see the same final. So I think we're all going Arsenal-Hull, but I don't think it's going to be plain sailing, especially for Hull. I am going to predict in their semi-final that it will be one all at full time and that Hull will go on to win 2-1 in extra time they'll score a goal in extra time but I think the occasion will get to Hull I think the occasion will certainly get to them in the final um, because of that big gulf in time since they've they've been at Wembley it might stand them in good stead for the final the semi-final being at Wembley um, but I, I just think that Arsenal will have too much and in the Wigan Arsenal game I think it will be 2-1 to Arsenal in the semi-final any score predictions by the way I didn't ask you guys in the final I'm going to go for Hmm, I think Arsenal will beat Hull 3-1. I think it's going to be a fairly cagey final. I think Arsenal are going to be so desperate for this trophy. I think we're looking at a one niller. Okay, yeah, it could be cagier than that, yeah. I'm hoping for loads of goals. I love watching a cup final when there are loads of goals. I'd love to see a 3 all, then go to extra time and have all of that fun. So I don't really know about predictions, but I would like to predict that there will be goals. Quick one to add on there. In their semi-final, Wigan versus Arsenal, if there's extra time, Wigan fans are stuffed. Did you read this as well? So basically, um, the last train from Euston in London to Wigan departs at 8.30. The match is at 5 o'clock. If there's extra time, Wigan fans are going to be stuck in London. They're going to need to find refuge, perhaps some baked beans. Wigan's famous for baked beans and famous for George Formey. When I'm cleaning windows. (laughs) Are you going to offer up a a spare room to any of these ailing fans if it gets to that point my house would probably have fallen down by then you could do with your windows cleaned your new house there you go or should we put them on the corner of a street by a lamppost in case a certain little lady passes by oh me oh my in case a certain little lady passes by and I think that's the perfect point for us to introduce Sean Thorne to give us a little bit of a break gather ourselves here's Twitter Topic of the Week Twitter Topic of the Week Hello everyone, Sean here with Twitter Topic of the Week. Now recently Rio Ferdinand, he's been having a lovely time down at Twickenham watching the England boys march on in the Six Nations. So this week for Twitter Topic of the Week, we're asking you guys, which sportsmen or women in the world would you like on your football team? What position would you put them in? And why? Loads of good responses for this one. Mark O'Neill has gone for Beefy Bofum, big fan of his beefiness, saying his beefiness would lead and inspire those around him. Uh, John Prowse has gone for Springbok Ruin Pienaar, uh, Ulster rugby kicker as the goalkeeper, because he could score from the goal slash drop kicks. Great catcher as well. Uh, Thomas has gone for former ice hockey prodigy Vladimir Putin. He said he'd be good in Millwall's midfield, as they've lacked a dictator in there all season. Chris Dixon's gone for Lizzie Arnold and Amy Williams off of uh, the Winter Olympics as wingers for Manchester United. Speedy, good at corners, nimble and can handle the bumps. Uh, Sonic's gone for Johnny Wilkinson for Chelsea to take the long, long free kicks. He tends to hit them right on target. Or Jonah Lumu to take the John Obi Mikel role. 
Uh, Six Music Chris has gone for WWE CM Punk in midfield. Uh, best talker in the business. Yeah, he might be a good talker, but he'll probably walk out on you before the big game. And he's also gone for Dennis Rodman to partner Mario Balotelli up front, just because. And Stephen Brandt's gone for Abby Wambach. She plays women's soccer in the USA. And apparently she's good at any sport. She played a little bit of youth basketball as well. Abby's a very tidy footballer. 167 goals for her country. And I think she got a couple against North Korea quite recently as well. Cheers to everyone who got in touch this week. I've been Sean Thorne and I will hand you back to the girls. Thank you very much for that, Sean. And we're into topic three now, girls. Who fit? Uh, this is all off the back of Hayley McQueen <laughs> coming back from Cheltenham. There is an actual horse called Hoof Hearted. Say it, Lindsay. Hoof Hearted. <laughs> oh, no. Did you just make that up? No, that is genuinely true. Yep. Runs in the Kentucky Derby. Oh, wow. There you go. Oh. Yeah doesn't run there it has run in that yes. Kentucky Derby there you go so uh, let me get this straight you came back from Cheltenham penniless absolutely penniless <laughs> but full of heart full of warmth and Guinness and just lots of fun and walking around the racetrack um, feet are hurting purse is not looking very healthy but we definitely had a load of fun well to tie into our topic three did you see any footballers or football related people there Lots of footballers um, all out for the day. A few teams who were supposed to be there, like Sunderland, didn't get the opportunity to go after the weekend's results. They've been denied their day out. A little extra food in their box. Where's, where are they, please? You always know when there's a team that doesn't turn up to go and find out where they were supposed to be. Yeah. Extra food and drink. That sounds like Gus Poyet channeling Paolo Di Canio there, doesn't it? You will not go. That's it. Banned. No, I, th- I think they, I think actually Gus was quite good with them and said if you would like to go for a team day out, then that's absolutely fine. But I think them, they together collectively decided that maybe it wasn't the best idea. There were a few teams, I think, who were planning on going, but the way the results are and the way that it is in this season and relegation looming for so many of them, they decided not to. We did see a few there. They were all on very good behaviour, good form as well. It's quite funny when you see the footballers. They're going up there and I'm... Too £2.50 each way, five a max. Didn't want to be spending more than about 50 quid because I was saving the rest of the money for a few drinks later on. And they're just throwing around hundreds and thousands of pounds. They were like getting really excited. My sister won a bit of money. She's like, yes, I've won 30 quid. I'm back up. And they were like, we've just lost 30 grand. Oh, my, <laughs> oh my life. Well, I think off the back of the Cheltenham stories, we it was a nice time, wasn't it, to do how there's this long-standing connection going back in time between football and horse racing. And it's happened for many, many years. Um, lots of footballers and managers going into owning stables, owning racehorses, being trainers, the famous ones being Fergie, Michael Owen, can't have either of those. Um, so give me <laughs> Mickey Quinn. Mick Shannon. Mi- yeah, well, let's not go through all of them. Otherwise, some, we won't have anything left to talk about. Um, but give two to three examples where football and horse racing, those worlds have crossed over. It can be a personal experience if you want. Uh, a couple of examples, stories that people might not otherwise know, uh, starting with Hayley. My first is... Kevin Keegan. The reason Kevin Keegan is so good at football is because his dad was an avid lover of the races and he actually got his winnings 
having won on a horse at the races, he'd won enough to buy his son, little Kevin, a pair of football boots. And he treasured them. And he went on, of course, and had an amazing career. So Kevin Keegan growing up not just as an amazing footballer, but having a dad who had a, a bit of an inside track on all the big racing. He then owned horses himself, was able to then, you know, with the money that he made in football, buy his own horses, trained by his former Southampton teammate, Mick Shannon. And even then opened up his own stables as well out in Hampshire. So if anyone's got Mick Shannon, you can tell me exactly what he has done in his career. I've got him. So I will go in with that one. Um, he's he's enjoyed the most success, I think. Um, I don't know for definite that it is the absolute most, but let's say he's one of the most successful um, trainers. He was ex-Southampton and England striker, of course. He has over 200 horses and talk about having a good year. 2002, he had the Midas touch when it came to horse racing. Over 100 winners in a single year. Now, if you spoke to Fergie or Michael Owen about that, I think they would self-combust if they had over 100 winners in a single year. Um, an absolutely brilliant um, horse racing trainer. And I suppose, would you say that it's difficult because he's played for England, but is he a more, more successful in horse racing than he, than he was in football? It wasn't really my era, so I'm, I'm, I'm not really really best place to judge I guess but he's, it sounds like it from the statistics I think if you mention him people say oh he used to play football whereas mm. it would be a footballer who then went on to mm. get into racing so yeah I would probably say he is more well known as somebody who's involved with racing mm. and successfully so you pitch him one, in with one then Kate do you know that Joey Barton owns a horse yeah he owns a couple I think two or three he called uh, called one of them crying lightning after an Arctic Monkeys song um, Harry Redknapp he famously had a horse mm. Harry's horse, imaginatively named. Oh, it died. It did die. I'm, I'm very sorry, folks. But I do remember uh, mentioning Harry, Harry Redknapp to a friend whilst we were looking at the racing uh, section of um, a paper and saying, oh, did you know that Harry Redknapp's got a horse and it's starting to do very, very well? This was um, obviously before it died a fair few years ago. And she's, and, and we kind of looked down the sort of strip of horses in this particular race and she said, oh, which one is it? And I was like, uh, it's the one called Ari's Horse. Like large, <laughs> large clue there. Mourinho and his uh, little horse behind two big horses. So he's been involving the horses this season. Brendan Rogers has been going down the Chihuahua route, but Mourinho has been sticking with the horses. I liked Pellegrini's response to that. And he said, well, if Chelsea are a little horse, they're a rich little horse. <laughs> well said. Hayley. They're certainly not in My Little Pony. No, they're definitely not. I loved them. Absolutely loved them. <laughs> Alan Ball, notorious as a manager, as I've previously mentioned about footballers going on trips to the races, nothing wrong with that. It is a good way of going out and having fun and watching another sport. Notorious for taking his teams out for team bonding sessions to the races, but very, very frequently. He was, of course, a World Cup legend, said what racing is one of his big, big passions, had interest in numerous horses. Here it says, most notably pickup sticks, who won the 36,000 prize in the Emirates airline cup in Dubai nine years ago I'd have had some free flights as well thrown in if I'd got myself a winner Okay, well, I'm going to pitch in with my two. Um, starting with a duo, Robbie Fowler and Steve McManaman. Uh, they have a joint company owning a number of racehorses and their best success was Seabold, which won the 2003, let me get this right, it's a bit of a mouthful, Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother Celebration Chase Race. <laughs> so well done to them. And they, I think they're still going strong with, the, with their partnership and their company, aren't they? Do they not have a horse called this horse and that horse or this horse and another horse or something really basic? 
Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. Um, and my favourite one is Niall Quinn um, because he's so involved in horse racing in pretty much every area of his life. He's married to the niece of a 10-time Irish champion flat jockey, Johnny Rowe, um, and his horses are named after all, all of them, named after Irish sporting legends. Uh, he's got fair few horses, um, had mixed success, not as successful as Mick Shannon, but he's up there. Definitely. So that's the horse racing connection for him. Um, you've got to finish us off. Well, let's leave those horses there. We'll shut the stable door on them. <laughs> oh, that was such a fake laugh from Kate Borsay. <laughs> Almost as good as my joke earlier. I know I didn't do that to you. Um, anyway, we're going to take a break uh, whilst I give Kate Borsay a poke in the ribs. Um, we've got Rhiannon with the La Liga Roundup. Viva España. Hola, chicas. Well, the big upset of the week was, of course, Barcelona losing away to Valladolid, a setback that could have lost them La Liga. Tata Martino's men stumbled to a 1-0 defeat on Saturday after Fausto Rossi netted the only goal of the game. A huge win for Valladolid, though, who are now out of the relegation zone for the first time in a long while. To add to the blow for Barcelona, long-serving defender Carlos Puyol has announced he'll be leaving at the end of the season. Real Madrid, meanwhile, took advantage of their arch-rival slip-up to return to the top of La Liga for the third week, running with a 3-0 win over Levante. Ancelotti's men took the league with goals from Cristiano Ronaldo and Marcelo before Levante helped out with a red card and an own goal. So the Whites are now four points clear of Barcelona. Welcome news with just two weeks to go before El Clasico and they're three points clear of Atletico Madrid. A good week too for Diego Simeone's men. On Tuesday they sealed a spot in the Champions League quarter-finals for the first time in 17 years after beating AC Milan 4-1 at the Vicente Calderón. A brace for Diego Costa in that game while in La Liga David Villa scored twice as the Rojiblancos outclassed Celta Vigo 2-0 at the Balaido Stadium. Elsewhere, Rayo Vallecano came from behind to beat Real Sociedad 3-2 away from home, an important victory in their fight for survival, while Saturday's 2-0 loss at rock-bottom Real Betis left Getafe a point above the drop zone. After 12 games without a victory, their manager Luis Garcia has now been replaced by former Romania international Cosmin Contra. They'll be hoping the change will help save their place in La Primera. That's it for this week at the Oscars. Thank you very much, Rhiannon. Um, well, that's about it for us this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I know Kate Borsay wants to tell you about something on the website. Well, I just wanted to say, girls, did you know that we've been receiving an awful lot of letters for our agony aunt expertise? Um, this week, Olivier Giroux's written to us. Pepe Mel's been in touch. David Moyes has been in touch. We're in ever such demand, you know. Um, Go to the website, folks, to have a look at these letters. Um, OffsideRulePodcast.com. Loads of new blogs there. I haven't got time to mention them all, but go and have a good scout around. Um, and if you want, you could help us to write a reply to these Agony Aunt letters. Mm. Yes, do help us out. Uh, we're out every Thursday. Thank you once more. Bye for now. Au revoir. The Female Take on Football. 